Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast, episode 67. My name is Rich Lapore, and myself and co-host Kevin Schaefer had an opportunity back on Free Comic Book Day to interview the creative team behind Junior High Horrors. This is an upcoming all-ages horror comic being released by Keen Spot in September. It was recently solicited in the July issue of Previews World, and this book looks awesome. The art style is really unique and different. It's got a very novel concept. We think you're really going to enjoy it. We want to make sure that it's on your radar. In addition, the creative team has a lot of interesting backstory to tell us about how they got started in comics, and none of them had a traditional route. Um, so it's definitely an interesting listen and something that I learned a lot from. Now, the reason I'm doing this intro is the recording process here was a bit different. We were live at a uh, basically a mini convention where there were people running to and fro and loud bass pumping in the background. It was kind of the worst possible scenario for recording. That said, it turned out pretty well. Uh, there's a lot of good information here, and I think you're going to enjoy it. So, without further ado, here is episode 67 of the Joy of Geek podcast. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast. We are here at Free Comic Book Day 2018 uh, with our friends at Arkham Comics in Rocky Mount. Uh, I am Kevin Schaefer, and I'm here with... Rich Lepore. And joining us today is the creative team of the upcoming comic, Junior High Horrors. Um, Rob and Rob, can you introduce yourselves? Go ahead, Rob. (laughs) After you, Rob. Well, I'm Rob Pacek, the uh, creator and writer of Junior High Horrors, and next to me is... I'm Rob Bertiano, the artist of Junior High Horrors. Awesome. And also, Billy Parker will be joining us in just a few. He is the colorist and letterer. Um, So, yeah, we are here just kind of talking with these guys about the book and about their involvement with King Spot Entertainment. Um, So, I guess to start off, um, you guys want to kind of talk about how you got into comics in the first place, whether both as fans and then eventually as creators. So your personal origin stories, right? Yeah, let's hear <laughs> An origin story, nice. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how Rob got into it. I know that the very first comic book I ever I ever got my hands on was Amazing Spider-Man 315, okay. drawn, drawn by one Todd McFarlane. Um, and at that moment, when I was I was actually in the hospital for like appendicitis or something, and my parents gave me that comic, and I was just blown away by the artwork. Right. They always had this problem with trying to get me to read, so it wasn't like I was, uh, you know, I didn't have any disorders or anything like that. But but they just couldn't get me to read. They couldn't get me to do homework assignments. They couldn't get me to do anything like that. And suddenly they gave me this comic book of Spider-Man fighting Hydro Man. Okay, and I was going to ask who was in that. Yeah. Just a very important uh, show. No Venom or anything. Uh, yeah, there there yeah. was an okay. appearance of Eddie Brock in, in the issue, but okay. but no no Venom in the issue specifically. Okay. But but uh, but yeah, so so that was probably I don't know. I think I was twelve when I received that book. Okay. And uh, and from that moment on, uh, I, I just with a bunch of my friends from from junior high or high school even, we uh, we all just started doing notebook comics and and called ourselves Illusion Comics and did the, did these these cool stories. And then all of a sudden there was this thing called Prodigy back in the day that, that a bunch of us were on and you mean like AOL? Yeah, kind of like AOL or CompuServe or, right, or right. Uh, 
one of those early ways you got onto the web with 56 dial-up. Not or, even. 2400 20, baud, if you will. Ooh. Um, yeah, don't don't nice. add, don't pick up the phone. Um, nice. Sorry. Yeah, you, you put me <laughs> offline, Mom. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, and, and from there, um, I, I met these guys from a, from a, a group called Fifth Panel Comics, and they, they were looking for new ideas and new, new books and things. And, and you know, uh, from there, I actually met a guy named Chris Crosby and never met him in person, mm-hmm. but, uh, but met him through, through online. And, and he was doing this thing called Super Crew Comics, which now is actually called Keenspot. Awesome. Uh, and, and he had all of these crazy ideas about books that he wanted to do and all this other stuff. So suddenly I just found myself writing comics when I was 17 years old. That's really funny you say that name because I had a Shakespeare professor in college named Chris Crosby. So I don't think it was the same one, but like, but that was pretty cool. Chances are um, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's really cool. And how about you, other Rob? Um, so I got into comics in a very sort of backwards way. So though similar similar to to Rob's story, um, my uh, my cousin kind of introduced me to them. Uh, he had all the trading cards and a few back issues, and I was like kind of blown away by what I had seen, but. What really got me into it was actually my third grade teacher. I always struggled reading. Uh, not that I couldn't read, but I couldn't have the attention span for it. Sure. Um, a lot of times we'd have to read like novels and write reports on them or something, and I just couldn't grasp it. I couldn't read into it um, for whatever reason. So my teacher actually suggested, why don't you have him read comics? Uh, the images and everything, they'll, he'll be able to follow along. Maybe that'll get him his love of reading a little bit more. And so, yeah, they were easier to read, but I kind of fell in love with the art part of it. Um, I remember my very first comic that I bought, personally, was X-Men number one, the Jim Lee uh, gatefold cover. Um, Bought that myself from a comic shop, and I was kind of hooked from there. And I just, I always knew I wanted to be involved in comics in some way as far as the art form goes, whether it's penciling, inking, coloring, it doesn't matter. I just wanted to be, I knew that, like, that was my goal, is to get into it somehow how do you how do you you know with writing it seems like something that you can learn on your own you can read a lot you can you can develop a lot more easily than you can art so did you go through any formal training or did you teach yourself much like some writers do i kind of taught myself Excellent. uh I, to, to be honest i hated art classes okay in, all right in, uh, that's fair in whether there's elementary school middle school because to me they never taught me anything it was like a here's the thing draw it and I'm like that's that I can do that at home exactly right? so what I did is I took it upon myself to go to the library and I got different books whether it's anything from like cartooning to realistic stuff and everything in between and I just kind of tried my hand at everything um, just like with any artist I think as they grow as they start to get into it is that you've you find a couple that you tend to latch onto as far as their style. Like, mm-hmm. it's just something... Kind of like you, bands do with different influences. Yeah, but, I mean, it's really kind of happened since art has been around. I mean, you can look at Renaissance artists who their style is influenced by other artists and so forth and so on through time. Right. Um, and I kind of took that same approach. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna nerd name drop right now, but, like, my top five are um, Jim Lee, Adam Hughes, Terry Dodson, Phil Noto, and Frank Cho. So a lot That's of a diverse my, group, yeah. A lot of my stuff, uh, I just have to take influences from each of them, but I still try to make it my own. And uh, Billy um, was able to introduce me to, to Rob over here, and we got together and we started talking about Junior High Horrors. And Junior High Horrors is a very hard left turn to what I normally do, because I do very what I consider traditional comic art. Yeah. Um, this is much more 
cartoony and animated. It's almost a, it's not quite, but almost like a little bit of a chibi style. It's got a almost a little, uh, uh, not not obviously anatomically correct, but right. Yeah, I I, I like to liken it to um, Family Guy or Rick and Morty. Yeah, that, that yeah, sort of yeah deal. I, I see that um, totally. So, and I try to keep that because you can play a little bit more with it. It doesn't have to be anatomically correct. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, I can imagine doing horror stuff too. We'll talk more about the book in a minute, but I can imagine doing horror stuff. There's a lot of stuff you want to do that you can represent much more easily. I mean, it doesn't have to be exact. Yes and, and no. Okay. Uh, and it's in some ways it's very challenging. Um, in other ways, it does make it a lot easier. So it really just depends on what it is. Interesting. And Billy, how about you? What's your uh, origin story, as as it were? Uh, I was born. No. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, you were hatched. Yeah, I was <laughs> an alien. But um, I. Uh, was always an artist, I guess, uh, as a kid. You tell uh, us, buddy. Yeah, they, uh, well, you know, I use it loosely. Um, and, uh, you know, all my life doing this kind of stuff, and and no matter what job I got into, I was, hey, can you do an ad for us, or can you do a draw this or do that? or It became a useful or, secondary skill to have in your pocket. It was something that, yeah, you, you know, and, uh, and then... As I got away from my comic book background of, of as a kid, just you know, I realized that I was going in the wrong direction. Um, so I uh, got back into graphic design and started uh, started doing uh, um, just started doing cons. One day, I said, "I'm going to try this and see what happens," and, uh, and did <laughs> Wizard World in Raleigh four years ago. If that. Uh, yeah, totally. any bills for anyone and uh, and just haven't stopped since then it's uh, it's been too much fun I've met too many you know great people and uh, and you know I get to draw and get to keep doing artist stuff that I enjoyed doing I was doing it on my own anyway to pass the time mm-hmm. so uh, just just uh, fall into the, the the right shows and meeting certain people. Met Rob at uh, well, I met Rob Rob at uh, um, Rediano, as we started yes, speaking. At at Minicon. He is pointing, which is the yes. podcast favorite yes. friend, right? Yes. right. Uh, well, it's Rob and Potsy. So right. um, I met uh, Rob uh, at uh, Minicon in Charlotte two years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we we seemed to get along pretty well and then I met Potsy at uh, Greensboro yeah. what last year yep yep September and, last year uh, and we seemed to hit it off really quickly so. pretty funny story about that like <laughs> oh tell. okay yeah so uh, what's what's the language barrier on this the language barrier is wide open <laughs> okay okay so uh, so so I'm sitting there with my with my buddy Chris Edge who uh, who actually hooked me up to get the advertising in Immortal uh, the first book that I was, uh, and and that was actually one of the first shows that I was doing, trying to sell the book after doing you know local shops and everything else, kind of like we're doing what we're doing today. And uh, I sit down, I've got my I've got my table set up, and you know I'm sitting there thinking I'm all big time because you know I got my banner up and everything, and all of a sudden this this old guy comes up and he and he goes, <laughs> hey hey uh, hey uh, what what was it that you actually said, Billy? I was uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and apologize now. <laughs> Uh, in case I irritate the 
crap out of you. <laughs> no. yeah, it, crap wasn't the word he used, <laughs> right, but, right. but you know he's censoring himself because because you know he's he's a he's a good guy like that. So so yeah, <laughs> junior high horrors is going to be an all ages book. Right? It is yeah. absolutely absolutely. We got to learn like new That's habits, right? right? Yeah. Say yeah, and and you know even that uh, I I hosted a uh, uh, an all ages panel at, at NC Comic Con a couple months ago and and you know like you learn a lot of things just talking to those guys about like what you can and can't mm-hmm. write in the books you know you can't you can't sit there and say you're stupid because stupid's a bad word right now, right you know? so, par- yeah parents don't want that encouraged of yeah. course. Um, you know, it's funny. That's always an interesting distinction to me. I, uh, we, we interviewed a YA author at that same con, yeah. uh, Scott Rankin, and, it, and he's a YA author. And he also got offers for the very same manuscript, non-YA. And it's a really interesting dis- you know, distinction on what makes something young adult-based. And yeah, it's, there's simple ways, like it's got to have a 13-year-old protagonist or somewhere in that range, you know. And, and yet, it's got to have certain language barriers. But, but other than that, there's just a vibe that's very hard to pin down. And you know, even he couldn't really define it. It's, it just is a, it's a vibe. Well, and, and that was one of the things that uh, Franco, I believe, said, uh, one of the artists and, and writers of, of Aw Yeah Comics, he, mm. he basically said, well, if it's, if it's my book and it's creator-owned, then, you know, I get to make the, the rules. But, right. But, right. If I'm, but if I have an editor, you know, they'll send me something back saying I can't do that all the time. So Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cool. So, so um, real quick before we get into the books, um, what do you guys do? So I, I understand you, you were making very clear earlier when you were talking to somebody here at the con um, that this isn't your day job. Yeah. Um, so, what do you guys also do um, in addition to working in comics, just just for perspective? Uh, well, I, I've I've been a retail manager at a. Um, That's how we first met. In fact, for, Fortune two fifty company. <laughs> uh, I, I I'd rather not actually talk about them That's mostly, fine. just just because you know I, I try to separate the sure, comic side sure. from from everything else. Absolutely. But um, but they've been very good to me. You know, I I was able to get you know today off and today's a Saturday you nice, know nice. obviously this is a podcast so, so who right. knows who knows you know when when you're gonna listen to it sure but uh but yeah so so they they've been really good about giving me specific time off when you know when there's a convention or when there's or you know when there's something like this going on and and uh although although you know when November comes around which is NC comic-con Bull City you know that's that's one that you know I really have to fight them on trying to get that time off because being in retail that's Christmas time, you know. Right, right. Uh, B- Billy doesn't do anything. He just sits at home and plays <laughs> World of Warcraft. And, uh, and is he the Pokemon Go guy? Go. He is yes. the Pokemon Go guy. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yes, hey, I play really too. Good right? so. <laughs> oh, I do too. I'm You're a level really thirty-three. Because well it's a huge badge like of that. honor. Yeah, of thirty-three this week. Do you watch Comic Book Man? I do. You like the Brian? Right. right. Yeah. Pretty nice. much. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Actually, I think he's more like the Ming Chen. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually. I'm taller than Ming. I went to the store recently. I got to meet Ming, Walton, like nice. they're all nice. and they were like, Brian's probably hiding in a cave. Somewhere yeah, we were just water. actually. I was just there recently too. Really? Uh, yeah, with my friend Skylar, and uh, we got to meet Mike. So, yeah. And he was super cool. He was. He was awesome. Him and Ming were both. So, really so cool. how about you, Rob? Um, Rob. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other Rob, not Potsy. RR. RR. Thank you. Um, how about you, Rob? What do you do? I stand on the corner. I ask for tips. Right. Uh, no, I am. Will draw for food. Artist past. I am, but not not hot dogs. Yeah, not hot dogs. <laughs> not hot dogs. I've cut them out of my diet. Um, but uh, I am a freelance artist and designer. Wow. So uh, I, it's it's not as glamorous as it sounds. Well, uh, so this is his day job. Even a penny doing that—that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's what you love. It is, but at the same time, it doesn't always pay the bills. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, you know, it's it's 
it's fine and dandy, but hey, I'm available for hire. Yeah. If anybody wants to give me something yeah. And you always have to sell yourself. The gig economy for artists has always existed, right? Pretty much, um, yeah. And you have to sell yourself and create your brand and have your samples. And well, that and, like, it's, you know, I moved from Charlotte, and I now live in Raleigh. I actually live with Billy. And uh, the Charlotte market for design is very different than the Raleigh market for design. In Charlotte, if you have a very extensive web design background, you're golden. But I don't, so that didn't yeah. work out for me. Over here, it seems to be more video game based um, and uh, print based, which I, I feel is more. We my have niche. Epic and Insomniac and yeah. places like that. And, and Ubisoft, and, Ubisoft and, yeah. right? Redstone, right? So yeah, can't, uh, can't forget that rich. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So overall, I mean, uh, it's it's yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, if you ever think about getting into freelance. Make sure you have something on the side, because yeah. it may not always work out. But yeah, that's what I do. Well, and that, that you know, to, to add to what Rob's saying there, you know, it's uh, comics. Comics isn't a glamorous lifestyle. It's you know, you you do it because you love it. You don't do it because because everybody gets to be Kevin Smith walking in, you know, from making movies, and all of a sudden, you know, gets gets his pick of the litter. You know, you got to work your way up. Complete, I, complete one of a kind situation. It, is. It, yes, absolutely. Although you, you work say you say well, hard, yeah. you say one of a kind, but if you know if if George R. R. Martin came out tomorrow and said, "I want to write Spider Man," yeah. Marvel's going to let George R. R. Martin write Spider Man. It might yeah. not be amazing. You, you Spider-Man, mean his but, actual entry into comics? Yeah. When I think about Kevin Smith, I just think about that that fantastic story about him maxing out credit cards and yeah. all the loans. <laughs> fantastic clerks, you know. You know, yes, yes. And he's, he was working like however many hours a day because he had to work. The shop during the day, use it at night to film and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of one of a kind story of like he's maybe Quentin kind of did that too, but you know there's a couple people who've pulled that off, gotten famous, and then yeah, you can walk into comics and make you know write your own check. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and that's cool. And, and unfortunately, when you look at the big side of comics, you know your Marvel, your DC, like those guys, those guys will take a job from anybody immediately. You know, and and here we are trying to trying to get get word out there, get stories out there, sure. and you know, obviously we're going to talk about junior high horrors yeah. a little bit more later. Um, but but you know, one of the one of the big things that we're that we're doing with that is not just not just trying to bring comics fans into that kind of book, but transcend the comics audience yeah. to actually talk to horror people or you know bring in kids because because one of the things that i would probably say is based on the pricing and everything else the comic book industry at this point you're you're not able to bring kids in because they can't necessarily afford it right well and that's kind of where i wanted to start the conversation on junior hour is is just kind so first off uh, rob your first big book was immortal and that one is kind of a lot of you know about the vampire slayer highlander that kind of thing this one what i find most interesting about it is it is have it's all very much based in classic horror icons and you know freddy krueger and all these guys but it's an all ages book and so i'm just curious first off um where that idea originated and how you balance that you know the horror influences with making it totally appropriate for kids just coming right out the bat with those big hard questions thanks kevin yeah uh, <laughs> i also oh you can tell about uh, what i brought you today right before the panel too, like uh, after you, you yeah you, you pitched uh, a certain comic to me and your what your thoughts were what like let's talk about it i can't do the full treatment so. yeah it's 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 <laughs> funny and and i'll go right into junior high horrors in a second but i literally gave kevin a, a three sentence pitch and he gave me what three pages of, of uh yeah. 
four pages of, <laughs> of, of specific, fleshed, fleshed out, ready to go story. It was already. fun. Hey, if, if you like it, great. If not, no worries. Well, you know, I'm I'm a hack. I'll steal. So no, I I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, but you know, it, okay. So with junior high horrors, just to just to give everybody an overview, you know, Kevin's sitting there talking about how it's how it, it uses like the the iconography of of you know. Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, uh, Freddy Krueger, all those characters, but it's not those characters. Right. You know, it's it. The, the whole concept came from. I was listening to a an NPR show called Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, and and they had Jamie Lee Curtis on as a special guest, and she now writes children's books, but she doesn't write children's books that are just to be liked by children. She writes them so that parents will actually like them. So so she was talking specifically about one uh, about how kids are running around like a motel. And then when they actually pan out so that you can see the overview of the motel, it's the Bates Motel. So the parents get a completely different, uh, different feel to it than than what you get when you're when you're the kid reading it. Interesting. Very similar to you know before we started this, you you know I said it's kind of like Animaniacs. Right. And and I always think of Pixar yeah. movies that when you go see them and, and all the other Pixar-esque movies where when you go see them, parents don't mind taking their kids because they have a really good time with all the references that are thinly veiled. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly, and and you know the, the 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 trick to it is to try not to thinly veil them, to to sometimes put them right in your face, mm-hmm. uh, but but make it so that you know it might not be recognized as, as something that you know should or shouldn't be seen. You know, uh, that's an art. Like when you the way when you talk about that Bates Motel example, you can see what what's interesting about that is the subject matter itself doesn't go there, just this perspective just 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 it you know what i'm saying it it it, it recontextualizes what's going on but what's going on doesn't change because that's the story the kids are following and i haven't read that material in particular but that's what it sounds like and so that's an art i mean that is really hard to balance yeah you know and and uh one of the reasons why billy actually brought rob to me to talk about this project and to work on it with me was was because rob's got tattoos of horror characters on him yeah you know uh so he's got a deep you know and, and rob's drawing right now so i don't want to i don't want to pull him away from that oh you're good you know um, but but you know Billy set it up with with me and and basically said I got the perfect guy to draw this because I, I actually had two different artists that that were that I was communicating with uh, really trying to nail it down and I liked both of their work and you know the couple of things that made Rob the right artist for it were he came right in with all the different characters already already planned out uh, detailed down to down to the fact that like JV who is the Jason Voorhees style character in it is wearing the same outfit that you initially see him wearing in like Friday mm-hmm. 2 you know and and the reason why he's wearing that and everything is is because that's the kind of character he is you know the the uh, utilizing Billy as the colorist and everything on the book allows us to have like a, a certain musky look to the book mm-hmm. um, that that I think kind of takes it away from what is typically looked at as an all ages or children's book because because the the connotation here is I don't want people to think that this is a children's book this is something everybody can read right yeah right uh, I can see that it doesn't quite have that super shiny sheen to it. It's got a little bit of a griminess to it. Uh, just a touch. Uh, what did you? What was the word you used? It was good. <laughs> no, I don't say? remember it. Grimy. Grimy. No, 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 you said grimy. It was dusty, something like musky. That. Musky. There yes. it was. Excellent. And, and that's a good word for it. And the, and the whole reason why is because you know, having been out in in the comic book world, you know, I had Immortal, which which had Owen Genie, the the artist of Rat Queens, now as the artist, is 
you know, when you look at when you look at mainstream comics, they have kind of like a certain look. So when you walk into a comic book store and you want to buy something different, you don't want it to look like everything else. True. So so obviously, you know, today here at Free Comic Book Day, we actually had two specific prints that we've done because because you know, using that iconography that we were talking about, one of the things that we're doing is we're we're trying to put, you know, like horror-esque style covers for the book out there. So we've got one that's designed after, like, The Exorcist. Oh, right. Um, but then we also, you know, we, we also have a, a, a nice little theme with John Hughes-type stuff. Mm-hmm. So we also have one that's based on, like, The Breakfast Club. Very cool. You know, and, and I was I was telling both these guys today that I'd really like to see us do a variant cover where one of the characters is actually holding up a giant boombox. Oh, man, from Say Anything you know, really my favorite part of Ready Player One wasn't even the movie. It was all the variant posters leading up to it that were based on all the John, like John Hughes and but, Back of Future and all that. My favorite part of it, Kevin, was was when they actually did the uh, when when IGN went ahead and broke down every single Easter egg That's, in that first that trailer. Did, I mean, much like, better way to experience it than the movie itself. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine doing just the like. It wasn't I mean, the that bad. Alone it wasn't is that bad, but. but but it's a new Spielberg adventure film mixed with video games, my passion, and it was... Anyway, it wasn't what it could have been. He wanted it to be like Raiders Lost Ark, good, I think. But, but it was yeah. a Spielberg film. That's, it was, oh, no, I, I enjoyed it. It was game-changing. But, yeah. but, but at the same yeah. time, think about if, if he had tried... If someone else had tried to do that movie, would they have been able to put that many different right. Easter eggs in? Right. No, because of his clout. Right. Yep. He has they, the, they probably he has went the, to him. He yep. has the mileage. He has the yeah. They people will trust him with their IP, um, and and it, it's amazing when you see everything from Tracer to King Kong to whatever in it. Everything modern, everything old, and everything in between. Imagine the IP craziness that must have been the licensing. But you're right. Spielberg opens every door, and so only he could have done it. Um, However, it was Warner Brothers, so there was no Marvel, no no Star Wars, and no. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no. So Disney doesn't own everything, amazingly. Yet. Yet. I know, it's so close. It's, it's really it's really getting close. So hopefully that answered your question. Yes, that did. No, very much so. So, um, I guess, so what's the schedule like now? For, you said the Immortal trade is coming out end of this month. And then what's the schedule like for this book? So right now we are in the, the process of getting artwork done for the book. Uh, for the first issue, okay. uh, we need to have uh, all covers ready for solicitation and everything else. If we get all that done by May 10th, wow, I believe. So so five more days. Uh, so you're in the you're in the crunch. We are in a crunch for the first issue. If we want it out in September, if we want it out in October, we we've got a little bit more time. Um, the the idea though, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going out to San Diego this year, which I'm you know sad face all about. Uh, but but they did tell me that there's a possibility of of maybe getting some of our pages actually in our free book that we're doing at San Diego. Wow. Um, and then, and then, you know, that'd be huge. Kind of owning the IP of, of Immortal allows me the opportunity with the trade paperback of possibly throwing those same pages into the Immortal trade paperback. Uh, but, but the ideal time for this book, I mean, it's called Junior High Horrors, is Halloween. probably September, October. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'd be really nice to actually have it out in September, yeah, so that that way we've actually got a well, full sixty days. People are getting pumped days. for Halloween at that point too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but you know Rob's Rob's diligently working on the artwork on it. Uh, I am. Good, that man. is always the longest hardest part. I mean, it goes without saying. I'm saying the obvious. Well, but the like big, all the, sympathy to you. Honestly, the biggest uh, the hardest part is um, translating the script that Patsy wrote to make it work on a page, because uh, 
for the most part, it's fairly easy to follow. But then as somebody who's done storyboards before and reading it, I'm like, that may not necessarily work. So I'll take a little bit of uh, creative liberty to it to change it oh, yeah. and then let him see it and then explain why I changed it. Right. As to, as to this will work better this it's, way it's, because. It's the Snyder-Capullo collaboration. You know, Scott Snyder brings in, here's my, here's my script, and then Capullo's like, it would be way better this way. Right. And then together, it's even better than either of them could have created, you know, like Voltron. Right. Well, you know, it, yeah, it, yeah, five mini lines making one show. No, uh, but, but you know, like with the Capullo and, and Snyder story there, when they first started with each other, Snyder apparently gave him, like, books yeah. of, of full scripts written all the way out, and I just don't work like that. You know, so so obviously, like Rob and I are a phone call away from each other. Billy and I are a phone call away from each other. Uh, heck, we can Skype. We can do whatever. You sure, know, the, sure. The technology is is at a point where, like, you know, they send me the pictures on the phone, and I go, "All right, done." You know, yeah. good. Because uh, I'm kind of editing the book at the same sure, time. You know, sure. do, doing that as well. And and yeah, so so if there is any 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 issue, worry, or anything that that Rob and I aren't aren't on the same page with whatever. We get we get in touch. We make sure that we make those changes. And, and it, it, it's a good thing that because you're self editing, that you have somebody like Rob as your artist, who's also sort of editing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that's that's and, really interesting. And you know, as as a writer, yeah, I've got the easy job. You know, however, I, I will say trying to trying to fit everything into like a four issue dynamic or whatever. I I I recently just decided that that with this book, I'm probably going to just say f it to the rules. And if I want to make a four-issue script into a two-issue script, because I know that Rob's art can actually translate into that two issues, then that's that's where I go with it. Uh, and and I really think that with some of these stories, it, it actually translates better if it's not decompressed. Right. And and it's punchier and yeah. Rich, I know Kevin and I have talked about uh, the the decompression syndrome of of Brian Michael Bendis in comic oh, yeah. books. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, Billy's favorite. It, <laughs> I think Billy just Could threw up a little. <laughs> I do not think. Um, well, you know, Chris Claremont was very wordy, but Dark Phoenix Saga was only two issues. It rolls. It moves. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's okay to have talking heads from time to time, uh, but at the same time, you don't want to have talking heads for the sake of talking heads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's the problem you get when you look at 12 episodes, excuse me, 22 episode seasons of shows. Like, they just, they, it wrecks it. I mean, 13 episodes is so much better in most cases. It, it really is. Um, one thing I want to ask because I don't think we covered it is what is the plot of this book? Like, what happens? Is it is it a sequence of, of short stories, um, but with a big overriding thing theme or overriding narrative, or are they? Like, well, how is it structured? So it's there really isn't one. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, no, it, they, it's, it's just a bunch of horror. <laughs> around they they just hang world. out. Yeah. You know, yeah. each you, book is like a John Hughes uh, movie. It, in in some you know in some ways and instances it is in other ways and instances like it, it does spread out like a specific scene over the course of like three or four pages, um, it, it's it's really you know. How about issue one? Can we go that simple? Is sure. that a complete story? You could read issue one and feel like you got a complete story out of the first issue. Uh, at the at, at the same time, in fact, you might think that there's way too much information in the first issue. Uh, I wouldn't think... I, I would disagree with that. You don't think so? I would disagree with that. I think the way issue one Thank pans out to me, <laughs> and again, especially because of uh, blocking everything off in the pages and everything, I feel like there are a couple mini-stories in it, but they still fit all into one, so that if the issue was to end at issue one and just be a one-shot, 
it would be fine. But it also leaves just enough to continue on. Yeah, it, it is funny because you do have to figure out a way to throw in that nice little stinger or whatever at the end to try to make people go, I, I need number two. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen here? And, and what's really funny, like, with this... You know, it's not an action book. It's not going to be like, oh, you know, we're going to swing from one vine to another and, you know, try to try to save the princess or anything like that. It's not anything like that. It really is about, like, these could have been things that you went through in junior high. You know, the, the kid Mikey, based on Michael Myers, uh, his name's Mikey Holiday. You know, he, he lives on Carpenter Street. Uh, with him, he doesn't speak. So he's, he's kind of, he's you know pulled away from everybody he's the weird kid he's totally well him and jv they're both the weird kid uh, so they're the weird kids that become best friends really aren't they the they they kind of become like the the losers club from it you know got it and and you know they talk to each other kind of like kind of like any click in junior high would start talking to each other you you know if you've ever watched freaks and geeks or something like that you kind of know by the time you get to sixth grade where your placement is you know uh heck i just watched the first couple issues of cobra kai and they do that really well right um not a bad show by the way what is it called cobra kai the 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 karate kid sequel that actually has yeah the reboot uh, that actually has Ralph Macchio and the kid that played Johnny in it. Interesting. Uh, Fun aside about Freaks and Geeks, like, it's further proof that everything you know and love today comes from Freaks and Geeks. Okay, so the actress who played Lindsay uh, is Hawkeye's wife. Wife, yes. Oh, yeah, Linda Cardellini. Yeah, she's so hot. And the kid who played Sam is one of the screenwriters of Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. So that's just the MCU reference. But like, And then you got Franco and Rogan and all them, and then... The creator went to office, and then Jada Patel. Like, yeah, I love everything about Racing Geeks. So. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and again, you know, like I said, that stuff like that just just seems to resonate. So so you know, I, I talked to my to my thirteen year old nephew. I talked to my thirteen year old oh, niece. Yeah. I talked to them, and you know, I, I kind of asked them like, what's going on with you? And and I see if I can actually make a story out of it, make a joke out of it, make whatever. So they will be individual stories. So like. Issue one is, is like you said, one shot with a little uh, stinger. And then issue two, is, is that another, like, single story? Or do we have a... Like, is it an arc, is I guess what I'm asking. So there is an overall arc. Okay. Uh, the first story arc is, is all about going to King Stephen's petting zoo. Okay. All right. Um, and, and, and in that arc... Uh, I don't really want to ruin it, no, but, no, but but uh, but you know there's there's a scene where at the very beginning where Mikey's outside poking an animal with a stick. Bad idea, you know. And anyway, and and that's kind of you know it kind of goes from there. A lot of the different characters that you see in it, uh, you're gonna recognize if you're an adult who's ever watched horror films, you know. So so you kind of separate it out, spread it out enough to where you're you're filling the entire thing, kind of letting everybody know who the characters are. And of course, you know, Rob's artwork on it is is perfect for translating it into animation, action figures, or in-action figures, or pop vinyls, or whatever, which, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, our, our first question... That's the dream, right? Get a plushie out of your comic book. Absolutely. In fact, I already had the one... the pop guys call, then you know you're in business. <laughs> I don't know if... You know, yes. If Do Funk, the pop guys ever if call? If Funko ever called, yes, I would absolutely say, do it. Yeah. You know, without without a doubt, um, but yeah, it, it's 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 
it translates well. Excellent. Uh, one more thing I want to ask you, Billy, because we had a chance to hear much from you. What do you bring to the book specifically? <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. We know I, you have a musky vibe. I put, I put, I put uh, Robin. He, he Rob has together. that all the time, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Right. I put Robin. Rob I together. put Robin. Rob together. That's Excellent. Really Excellent. That's yeah. kind of important. Uh, what producers do for millions of dollars. Right. I, uh, I actually, I, I'm doing a lot of. Well, I'm doing a little bit of cleanup work and, and color work and the. Uh-huh. Uh, and the, the book Billy itself. makes my life easier. Yes. Nice. I, I, just, have, I, just can, I can just pencil and then hand it to him and he'll ink it digitally, so it just nice. saves me a lot of time. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it gives you such a clean line when you go through the computer. And so it's... Uh, he know, pays for my alcohol. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Nice. Hopefully it, uh, you know, it gives them a little something, makes it a little more cartoony, I think. Uh, you know, with, with the, and I'm trying to do cell shading, uh, you know, keeping it very... 2D, like Family Guy, things like that, where it's really 2D, but you you get a little shadow, you get a little effect, just to yeah to to get it off the page just a little bit, but uh, but uh, and you know silly things like random ideas and and you know if Rob has done something on, in the page that I think you know I have an idea I'll tell him something and he, and it works out well he yeah he he works out you know or he. He'll say, yeah, that's fine, or, yeah, no, fix that, or, or just twist this, or whatever, and it's worked out pretty well. So. Sounds like a really good collaboration. you got a deep bench of, of talent here. Absolutely. Yeah, but Billy's kind of like the Joel Sinat to, to, to Rob's Jack Kirby, you know. Uh, <laughs> nice. Deep that. Well, that just, that just shut everybody yeah. start, I'm start chop, that. I'm going to start chopping cigars. Yeah, right. The yellow obscenities. Well, like, real quick before we close... We usually like to end our episodes, or at some point, talk about what we're reading, what we're watching. If any of you guys have anything, you know, comic you're reading, movie or TV, you want to recommend, feel free to. Can I, it can out. I say what I don't think I'm going to be reading? <laughs> okay. I think I'm dropping Superman books. I know. Oh, I heard we about were, this I was in the tell, car. I was <laughs> telling Rich about that. So, uh, so not... okay, the disappointing thing about it, what, like, so okay, so I'm not I, the only one disappointed. No, uh, so like, I, uh, the disappointing thing for me leading up to it was I was cautiously optimistic because uh, about uh, I definitely would have preferred Venice take over a different DC book, but Batman. When, well, but but King is. There. I always say I that, want, and I he say, always shoots me down because he's a big King fan. I say Teen Titans. He should have done so more. And Venice is going to take something over. Okay, I say he should take over Green Lantern. Yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I know you would hate that because. <laughs> Would you be okay with any book he takes over? No. Okay. Okay. no. So yeah. there, yeah. That, but the the see, Reader's Digest that's in in my grandmother's bathroom—that's the book. The AARP writing. books. Yes, that's <laughs> where Bendis needs to be. You mean? Yeah. yeah. But the thing about his story in Action Comics 1000 because that book had some fantastic stories in it. Not his. It wasn't really a story, and it was like, come on, you're gonna mess with the origin again. We haven't done that enough. But. Some weird. Okay, so you're not reading Venice Zoom. But but okay okay so so in and and here's something I can't believe I'm going to say but in his defense, Scott Snyder was allowed to do the same thing with Batman. Yeah yeah. You know, granted, he waited forty he something waited issues to do it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I from an Endgame. Yes. Well, uh, zero just year. a zero year. Oh, in general. oh okay. Yeah. But but you know the thing I don't like about about this whole Bendis thing moving over to DC is they that advertise it like the second coming of Christ in they, comics. They did. You know, and the only time they've put something like that in any of their books is when someone dies. Yes. 
So, so how did Tom King feel knowing that he was a right, former CIA agent? Yeah, he's such a badass. Uh, yeah. and 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 huge name at Marvel and all this other stuff, and and he gets, hey, you get Batman, yeah, and we're gonna put you on a on a podcast right. to talk but about it. But there was no it. double page spread that said King is coming or something. Like, like I almost took that as a, it's time to run. You know, when, yeah. when, when it said Ben, I saw your coming. badge about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're not going to be reading Ben Superman. Anything you guys want to recommend, though, in the world of pop culture? Um, I'm watching Westworld season two. Oh, God, so, yes. Yep. I'm enjoying that so far. Let, let me say this, and I want to hear your thoughts. I'm going to lead into it. So, season one is amazing. Yes. Of course. We all know that. It's so good. And what's really great about it is how mysterious it is and what's going on. I love the dynamic between the control room versus what's going on out here. What's what? Who's who? Who's real? Who's. You know, host, does it matter? That kind of stuff. Um, the first se- episode of season two was really scary because it was very different. Have you seen the second oh, one yet? I haven't watched the second one yet. Okay, I only just started the second one. I'm not going to go into anything. I'm very spoiler reverse. But f- it has the magic back. Right on. And so uh, that thing that was missing. But did you feel like the second episode, excuse me, the first episode of season two worked? Were you I into thought it, it? I thought it worked. I thought okay. it was into it. Um, honestly, what's got me more, I, I'm, I'm really interested in to see how these characters develop from here on out, but I'm really even more interested with them including other worlds from the park, like Samurai World and everything. Yeah. They mention like multiple, multiple worlds are hinted at the end of yeah. the first Well, episode. it's all part of it, the West World is part of a bigger park called Future World, because it was originally written by Michael Crichton, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, so there are a bunch of different worlds out there within the park. So I'm and we know Shogun like World Jurassic is one of them. World? Like Jurassic World, <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I hope they all—I hope they all intertwine. Well, you so. saw that next—that that upcoming this season where you see um, uh, Tandy Newton with the sword. Yes, um, Maeve. So we know the Shogun World's coming. Yes, and for sure. There's at least going to be one episode, right. That is well, going to take place with within it. Well, they kind of did everything they could with the first West World. I know, you know, but but you know, I loved I loved that little like oh there's there's ninjas oh there's samurais you know but yeah. but you know then you get George R R Martin sitting there saying. There could be a Westeros world. A Westeros. World. He, he actually really said that. that. He really? really said that. He did. He Very did. I think it's just because he doesn't want to do any work. I know. Right. <laughs> He's coming <laughs> out with some weird fire and ice like side like. like I, I don't feel like right writing whatever. my book, I'm, so I'll write a book. I don't Why care. Keep he, making them. HBO, it? keep making them. I'll watch them. Uh, they will. They'll make. My, they're gonna. Well, they've make got like four. They've got four. I think they said four spinoffs. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be, it's a world that's Fantasy incredibly, world? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, as far as the book goes, I don't know if anybody else is reading the new stuff. I've been reading, uh, or at least I read the first issue of Hunt for Wolverine. Yes. Oh, you're okay, yeah, yeah. So that was actually pretty interesting. I'm really curious to see how that goes. I'm, I really, I was always wondering, I was wondering when they teased him earlier on, whatever in whatever event happened recently where he just appeared with an Infinity Stone. Infinity Countdown. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay, so he appeared with an Infinity Stone, and I was like, Okay, is the Infinity Stone that brings him right, out or right. not? But then in the book, which I'm not going to spoil it because it's only a week old. Oh, that late. was actually Legacy Number One. That Legacy Number One. That's I read was. that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm not going to spoil the most recent issue because it just came out either this week or last week. Sure. But how he really escapes his tomb of adamantium is pretty genius. Yeah, Charles Charles Sewell actually does it very well at all. Um, so he's, he's so hit and miss. So he's he's a journeyman. I always think of him like a Mark Wade. Like Mark Wade, like one of those writers that writes really good, like Captain America, sem- and also <laughs> semi-generic comic books that are fantastic at just telling a just a regular story. Um, and and I think Mark Wade is good at that, and Sewell's good at that. He writes what seven books a month, something ridiculous. Charles Sewell. 
Yeah, he's a well, nice guy. I mean, we met him. He's a cool, dude. You know, a, a lot of that has to do with you know they they feel like they've got all these ideas and then and then they get spread too thin. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. felt I felt like that happened with Bendis, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then he did House of M. How about Guardians? Did you like Guardians? Bendis run? Bendis run? Did you try that? No, didn't okay. try it. Uh, no, by 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 this point, I didn't I didn't pick up anything with his name attached to it unless it was free. Okay. Uh, oh, Bob, Billy's Billy's saying he, he he without saying that he won't even pick it up. Uh, okay. Reading, I you know not only am I reading did I pick up that that first issue like he did of of the the hunt for Wolverine, but I also have been reading Old Man Logan. Oh wow! Uh, and, and the no the um now the Ed Brisson run. Right. Uh, I I really oh. liked I really liked how he brought in Maestro. As as like the the leader of the the uh, Rage, redneck like the redneck cult. Logan ongoing. For yes. Him. Yeah, because yeah. he got brought into the main Marvel universe after Secret Wars. Because there's no more um, uh, original Wolverine. Right, right but now he's back. To but now he's yeah, back yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So okay. that's uh, what Hunt for Wolverine is. Yes. yes. But but uh but yeah. So the old man Logan run stuff that that Brisson started with. I mean, he had Mike Diodato as the artist on it. So I mean, you knew you were gonna get like Marvel's best artist. And then on top of all of that, you ended up having like just. Just these knockdown, dragout fights between Maestro, who's the super smart, evil version of the Hulk from Future Imperfect, uh, by Peter David and George Perez. But then you also have him with the Redneck Hulks from the original Old Man Logan storyline. Somehow he brought them back in time okay. uh, to to fight Old Man Logan, and and it's just you know they, they Hawkeye shows up and it, all this cool stuff happens. Now they now they did a story where where. Uh, um, uh, who's the Mariko shows up again, even though she's supposed to be dead or whatever. Uh, so I so I read that. Um, Hal Jordan, the Green Lanterns, love it. Robert Venditti stuff is amazing. I think oh, he's about so talk, good. He, he's like, phenomenal. Like, you know, we talk about hit and miss writers. He hasn't missed yet. No, so. he's he's phenomenal. Everything he writes is phenomenal. People don't even know he did Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Um, the Homeland. No, I forget what it's called, but the darkest some city or coldest city that was made into that movie. I mean, he is just so underrated still. You know, I'll read anything from Ed Brubaker, which is funny that you guys mentioned I Westworld because he, yep. because yep. he is a producer on on Westworld and and has written episodes of it. That's yep. awesome. So, I'm actually going through Brubaker. his old Batman run right now. Dude, his yeah. stuff is just. I mean, he he got Marvel to approve bringing Bucky back to life after being dead for right. seventy years. Right. Like, who else is allowed to do that? I mean, and they even gave him a cameo in Winter Soldier, which is really yes, cool. it's hard to spot, but true. Yeah. Uh, so anything from him I'll read. Um, I don't know. Uh, TV shows and stuff. Still keep up with the CW TV shows because oh, yeah. they're so much better than the uh, mm-hmm. than, than the actual DC Extended oh, Universe yeah. movies. I, I, I have fallen off most of them, but I still stick with Flash. Okay. Uh, Flash Flash has been really good this year. Legends of Tomorrow is probably their best one at that's this point. I, that's the consensus lately. That's uh, what I was telling Rich on the, on the whole ride yeah. here, I was hearing about the the episode with George Lucas and all this crazy and stuff. But right, but, yeah. but my yeah. my favorite TV show right now is Billions. You like that? Oh my god! So I saw the first amazing. two episodes and and I was trying to to find an angle from which to love that show. So what what is it that makes it so good? I don't know. Before that show, I always liked Suits, and then all of a sudden Suits got campy because it all became, oh, this guy loves this girl, this uh, guy loves this girl, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And and it became a soap opera. Yeah, and, and is he going to go to jail? Is he not going to go to, you know? And, and now, they've, now they're even taking one of the main characters off the show starting next season, putting Katherine Heigl in a role in it. Uh, so Sounds I don't, like a mess. So, so I don't know if I can watch it anymore, but... But then I started watching
Legend of Billions, and all the characters kind of remind me of that smug, like, I'm I'm rich, I can do this, this, And I'm this. gonna win this, and, this battle of wits. And, and, and I mean, Damien, Damien Lewis is phenomenal. He's so good. Paul Giamatti's great in everything. Maggie Siff is good in everything, but, but uh, Malin Ackerman, the, the guy that plays uh, Paul Giamatti's father in the show is probably the best best you will ever see a character that just looks like an old curmudgeon that doesn't really love his son. Uh, huh. Now, at the same time, they're in season three now. The What I would almost consider the single best episode of television ever. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's, that's big. Over the room. Yeah. <laughs> is, really. is the second to last episode of season two. It is, it is a plot of just epic proportions and when it all plays out oh, you wow. almost feel like you have to watch the episode a second time to understand exactly what happened wow yeah I'm intrigued it's, and we it's, have to watch 16 episodes to get there it, it's like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. it didn't right. get good until 16 episodes in it then, did, it, then it fell off for two more seasons and now it's good again is it it is you know, yeah, what was it? right before the Inhuman stuff, that lead up to that was just so phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, before Inhuman stuff. Yeah, I don't know. The Ghost Rider, the Ghost Rider storyline was great. I love that. No, one. I didn't, uh, I didn't, that was great. The uh, the 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 computer world, you know, the the Matrix world part was awesome. The Hydra world. Yeah, and and then even the even the beginning of this season where they were actually uh, in space slash somewhere else. Yeah. Not gonna, not gonna. Yeah, yeah. I've tried several times to like to get into, and I just can't. But like, can I just? Okay, so I've heard that the whole. Six, uh, one just watch season four and season five. <laughs> like skip really? everything. Skip everything. Else. You're, really? You're okay. a lot. Well, I'd say watch season one. I no, no, no. Mm. Watch season, no, season one. one is what I've tried. Watch season times one episode. So, so okay. Here, here you go. This is this is my nerdum coming out. No. Episode sixteen on. Yeah. Yep. Of, of season one. That's when it gets as great. soon as Nick Fury shows up in it and goes, get me off the grid, which, if we all remember that line, is right before Winter Soldier. Right, right. Okay? right. Watch that episode on, and you I mean, fly. I know the yeah. what's-his-face turn is a, is a sleeper agent and all that, but, like, it, but yeah. Who? Just, yeah. I'm yeah. kidding. So, 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 yeah. so though, you read a, read a synopsis of the beginning. You know what I mean? And then and then start there. Yeah. And you yeah. will dig it. I mean, it, it's one oh, of those I'm shows. Sure it, it takes yeah. time to get good. Like a lot of shows. Yeah. They, they just, they have to they, find their voice. Sure, sure. Well, it's, you know, Arrow, it took it took until midway through the second season, yeah. I felt, That's to actually true. hit so, its stride. Till the, till the and then it, and then it took up. until the end of the second season to lose its stride. It's amazing how quickly it fell. From there on. Yeah. Billy, what, what are your big hits right now, man? What are you checking out? Uh, actually, I, uh, I'm still watching. Uh, I still love Legion. Yeah, I'm behind on this season right now, it's, but I uh, I love the first season. I'm loving I'm loving the second season already. Nice. It's, uh, yeah. it's good stuff, uh, but it's such a complicated. It's show. incredibly complex. <laughs> Noah Hawley, man. Like, see, I, it surprises me, Rich. I don't watch it as much because he's a huge Mr. Robot fan, and I tell him that mm. it's like Mr. Robot meets X Men. Yeah, yeah meets ambiguous. Maybe it's none of this is real though. Well, that's the that's always in it. What Wait, is Bendis right? Yeah, like right. no. Because, Did nothing happen? No, no, because no, so much happens you just don't know. Yeah. What's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fun to watch. That's, yeah, that's I, awesome. I, that's, that's my big thing. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. This was awesome. Um, so, so do we get to put we'll, plugs in? Absolutely. absolutely. That's how we end. Plugs. Billy, go ahead and plug your next your next drink and draw. Next drink and draw. Uh, every second Wednesday. 
And fourth Wednesday, I have a drink and draw in okay. Raleigh. All right, uh, well, where is it for locals? Uh, for locals, the um, uh, Havana Deluxe is where I do every second Wednesday. Nice. Uh, Coglins of Raleigh is where I do every fourth Wednesday. Uh, they're getting a little bit better every week. Okay. Uh, come out and nerd out, hang out. Have you gone to the Alamo Draft House yet? Not Holy yet. Crap. We were just yet. We, we may hit it on the way home. We, it's, we, it's talk, we talk about different out. places. Oh, yeah. we're, we're slowly working these out. Both the guys at these particular bars are friends, so I decided to start there. And, right. And if things work out better at other places, we'll continue to do it. But it's just fun to go hang out, and I've right met on. a few new people, and, and you get to see some, some new artists. And, Cool. Yeah, and, and, and Billy's on all social media at Comixed, C-O-M-I-X-E-D. Yes. Right? Okay. right? That's not a tongue twister, which is nice. Yeah. So, so Comixed. Comixed with an X instead of a C for the second C. Yes, because it's edgy. <laughs> so edgy. I'm right there with you, man. I, you have to do the hand gesture. It's, it's mandatory. Um, what about you, Rob? Yeah, what, what uh, do you got to pitch? Well, uh... Let's say you can find me online in a few different places. Um, my art in general, you can find me at facebook.com slash Art. Instagram. That's original. Yeah, no, right? Uh, Instagram. Uh, just, you know, Instagram Robertiano as well. Um, and uh, eventually, my podcast will come back. But uh, it's what on hiatus it? right now. It's called The Empire Geeks Back. Oh, uh, it's I just, get it. It's just we talked everything for comics, TV, news, video games, toys. Um, every week was a different topic. And, cool. Uh, yeah, it was just fun to do. So eventually we'll come back. Excellent. How, is it just you and another person or three people? Uh, it was me and I had a couple co-hosts, but that dynamic is going to have to change at this point. More than likely, uh, it'll be um, Billy, Skyler, and... Potsy if he wants to hop on it. It sounds like it's ready to jump off right now. Is what it's, it, everybody that's standing right here is not. It is. So. It is. It has existed. It just finding the space and the time yeah, to do it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always stuff. I know you have a ton of podcast history yourself, uh, Rob, Rob. Yeah, Potsy. yeah, I do actually. Uh, uh, in fact, Rich um, Potsy and Tino show is available on iTunes. Uh, it's a pro wrestling slash sometimes pop culture style uh, podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge pro wrestling geek, so I know just about everything about that. Um, then you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pachak. You can find me on Instagram at Rob Pachak. You can find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Rob Pachak. Um, Tumblr? I don't think I have a... T- I might have a Tumblr. I don't know. I have... You know, I, I, I did start that one that Scott Snyder was big into. I can't remember what it's called now. Vero or whatever? I hated it. So, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm off of that now. But, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, Potsy and Tino show, uh, you know, the Pots and Pans Network. We used to do a show called called Primitive Screwheads Cinema Podcast. If you, if you want to take a look at that, take a listen to it. It's on iTunes as well. Uh, I think the last episode we actually did was on Wonder Woman. I'm trying to get the guys back together because one thing we didn't even talk about here was Infinity War. That's a really good point. We just recorded our episode. We just did our big review of that last week. Um, And, uh, yeah, that's... It, I think it now ranks as number one in my Marvel Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe movies. That is a that is a bold claim. That it is. is it claim. is. Now my favorite one before that was Winter Soldier, but you know I give the Russos credit. I also I also feel that that because of the cast, it kind of gets it kind of gets extra points anyway. You know, almost unfairly. Well, unfairly or not, I mean, you know, the money was spent to get the cast. You know, the the documents were signed. You look at a movie as a as a combination of a lot of things and. 
you know, you can't you can't hold against it that it has the biggest budget of all time in the history of the planet, you know. And it's already exceeded Justice League's entire gross in the theater. We did that in a weekend. And not, and not <laughs> it only did that, that by Monday, you're it's right. It's now the highest grossing first weekend. Beating Force Awakens. Beating Force Awakens. Talk about broad appeal. Like, wow. But worldwide, it also crushed Fast or Fast 8. Which which had four hundred and ninety million in the first weekend. It's unbelievable. And and it was at six hundred and fifty two, I think. It's 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 unbelievable that movie. It's, it's also incredibly ballsy to have that kind of success and have the ending that people were audible in the audience when I saw it. Like, I'm gonna write a sternly worded note to Stan Lee and, and just like raging at the, I mean I'm telling you, this was the crowd I saw the show with. I got the movie with. I got goosebumps, but it, it actually made me worry that the next film was gonna ruin it all. You're gonna completely wreck on it too soon and too weakly. I, almost, except except you know I, I trust the Russos. I know. I mean they're like, doing they, them. They haven't done me wrong yet. Yeah, I'm a big. I, I'm weird and except the, maybe Community. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Kidding, people, I'm kidding. You love the Community. I'm kidding. Everybody thinks I hate everything. I don't. So. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, on that note. Thank you guys for your time. Oh, this was awesome. And your yes, books. Thank you. Yeah, thank and you. thank you to Arkham Comics. Hey Bill, give a shout out real quick. Hey everybody. There you go. I don't know I don't know what I need to throw out there. I'm just really tired. That's no, awesome. it's all good. Understood. You we just have to post this panel here. No, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you guys for coming out. Absolutely. Very cool. Well on that note, I'm Rich Lapore. Kevin Shaver. And we will see you soon. Take care.